0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. I was hoping we could dive into the word a little bit today. Is anyone like the Bible? Is anyone interested in diving into that? We're gonna we're gonna look at uh, in particular two passages. We're gonna look at Psalm 55. And we're gonna jump over to John chapter 10. I want to share a message tonight today called uh, "The Good Shepherd." Now, I just wanna uh, uh, I just thought I would just kind of uh, let you know that it's okay to laugh today. And if you feel like I'm trying to make a joke and it's not quite connecting, please just laugh anyways. It's just going to go uh, a lot easier that way. And I believe church is a full contact sport, so you can always try out an amen or a preach it or one of those kind of things. And uh, if you're like, oh, that's not us, it is today. So that's what we're going to do today. And Jake will just keep laughing the entire time, so we'll be, we'll be all right. We're going to go to Psalm uh, 55. Just, uh, just before we jump in. Um, I'm from Spruce Grove, Alberta, which is just 15 minutes outside of uh, Edmonton. Uh, we planted our church five years ago, and I have a beautiful wife named Desiree and two crazy boys who are in desperate need of Jesus. Uh, Everett is five, Kingston is three, and they are absolutely amazing. They wish they could be here, but they flew back home. We were on vacation Whistler, and they flew back home so Des could uh, run our children's ministry and do all those kinds of important things at church that need to get done. And uh, how many know children's ministry is one of the most important ministries in a church? period, because we are raising up and investing into the next generation, and we are giving them a firm foundation, not only for their faith, but for their life. Those things, does anyone, uh, did anyone grow up in church? Anyone grow up in church here? Does anyone remember those little Bible verses that you learned uh, in Sunday school? Isn't it funny how those are the ones that kind of stick in your mind in those little songs? Those little songs like, I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 I mean, different Eras, maybe, but uh, that one's just like burned deeply into my mind forever, uh, you know, this little light of mine, uh, you know, David and Goliath in a little sling and he fell down. Anyways, it's all, it's all up there and burnt in, but sometimes we think that in church particularly, uh, I don't know why I'm going here, but we'll just go here right now, um, that this is the main event and this is where the most important work happens and this is where the heavy lifting happens. That is true. Uh, in the sense that this is where one of the main events is. This is where some of the heavy lifting happens. The truth is we invest into the next generation. And if you want to build a strong, impacting church for generations, then we need to build our children's ministry. And uh, we build that to the best of our ability. And we teach and we invest and we invest and we invest because every area that there is ministry happening is where the presence of Jesus is, where the power of Jesus is, where the power of Holy Spirit is. And this isn't, it's not a downgrade to go to children's ministry. In fact, maybe we should just say today, I think it's an upgrade because you are investing and not just receiving. Anyway, Psalm 55, that's my tangent for today. Psalm 55, we'll start at verse 4. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Verse 8, how quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. Anyone been there before? Anyone feel like, hey, maybe growing wings at this moment would be the best possible outcome in this situation? Anyone feel like you've been overwhelmed with fear and trembling and it feels like the walls are crushing in and things aren't going the way that you thought they would be going or the the direction they should be going? Anyone feel trapped and isolated alone? Anyone feel like escapism is the only answer? We're running away and growing some wings and flying away is the only way out. Anyone not realize that a verse like that was in the Bible? where in the midst of an honest moment. These words are penned. By King David himself. David, who's known in Acts chapter 13, is a man after God's own heart. Isn't it interesting that a man after God's own heart would have this feeling? That he would be this afraid, that he would be this nervous? I mean, if you, you can uh, write this down later. Second Samuel 17, this is in the midst of his struggle with Absalom. His own son rising up to take over. But he feels like the only way out is to grow a pair of wings... And fly away. Well how can he be a man after God's own heart. If he's this afraid. How can he be this close to Jesus. Old covenant. (laughs) And just want to. Get away. The reality is. Our lives take on all different colors. Shapes. They go in different directions. There's different seasons. There's ebbs. And there's. Why don't we jump over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We'll go, just starting in verse 1. We'll probably read a lot of Bible today if that's okay. I tell you the truth. John chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the shepherd recognizes his voice and comes to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, and they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Has anyone ever read scripture and tried to figure out why we're always identified as sheep? Like I've, I kind of read it. I'm like, man, sheep are good, but like, Lord, how come we couldn't be something awesome like a zebra? Like, I look great in stripes, so maybe, like, Lord, we could just be zebras, or we could be, you know, something else other than sheep, because sheep just aren't all that cool, you know? Like, they're fuzzy, and they're cuddly, but I'm not all that fuzzy and cuddly, so, like, is there something else? But uh, I think it gives some insight when we begin to look at what makes up a sheep uh, into why he chose that precious animal, precious, cuddly animal for us to be identified as I just want to be a sheep, bad, 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 bad. I just want to be a sheep. So I don't, I don't have sheep. I don't raise sheep. Anyone in the house raise sheep here today? Anyone? So what I had to do is I had to look at a research paper from the University of Illinois Extension Campus uh, to learn some things about sheep. To learn some things about sheep. Because I was like, Lord, I don't understand why we are constantly identified as sheep. I can relate to you, I guess, as a shepherd. But for me to understand why you're a good shepherd, I need to understand what it means to be a sheep. So the interesting thing about sheep is that sheep have incredible hearing. Did you know that? Sheep have amazing... Hearing and sheep uh, naturally have this instinct to be together for safety. It's like if you've ever watched like a National Geographic uh, show or like Discovery, you know the animal that's always about to die is the one that's by itself, right? Like you watch the show, one falls behind, inevitably a cheetah or a wolf or something is gonna devour that thing. So the sheep have this like this in- instinct to gather together, to stay together, to not. Move apart. Now, I think it's interesting because you know when when you hoard together a whole bunch of fluffy sheep, all you get is a really big meal. So I don't know why that is like a safety thing. I don't know why they feel like them getting together. It's not like they actually have a defense mechanism, but that is their defense mechanism. So the interesting thing about that in in Hebrews chapter ten, when it when encourages us to continue to gather together to not forsake the gathering, is that there is actually something wrong with us something wrong with what's going on inside of us when it is our desire something is out of alignment in our spirit when it's our desire to isolate and pull back from the body the body was intended for us for protection and when we feel like we're trapped when we feel like we're in isolation when we feel like we have nothing nowhere to go but grow some wing <coughs> wings excuse me that is the moment that we draw near and draw in to the family of God where we can carry one another where we can walk with one another. It's not the moment that we fall back. The moment that we begin to fall back is the moment that we begin to lose the protection of the crowd. The other interesting thing about sheep is that they've got this, this um, kind of sense about them that if they don't trust you, they like to leave a gap. They like to, you know, just kind of I was at a funeral a couple uh, weeks ago, and uh, I show up there, and uh, it was for one of our uh, heroes in ministry, founding elder of our church, Pastor Dick Iverson. And, you know, there's something that happens at funerals where people just like to hug a lot, and I, don't, I like hugging people that I know. Uh, I don't like hugging people that I don't know, (laughs) and I don't like strangers, and so people are coming, and they're like getting like right up in your zone, like, oh, it's so good to see you, and you're like, why are you touching me in this way? Like, I like to mind the gap. I like to leave a safe distance. If I know you, come on in. If I don't, please take a step back. Like, it's it's just for my own comfort. Sheep are the same way. They like to leave a gap so that they have options, so that they can run. They can get other places. They like to leave a gap, but something happens to a sheep when they hear a trusted, Voice and they identify somebody as a friend, they begin to close the gap. They begin to move in closer. The reason why uh, sheep are so in tune to what a shepherd is doing is because that shepherd, for the most part, has been there for their entire life. They even led them to their mom after they were born so that they could get milk. They're used to the soothing sound of their voice. And so when that shepherd speaks, they begin to close the gap. They begin to close the gap. They don't begin to fall back. They begin to Close the gap. So if you feel like you're in the midst of a suck situation, if you feel like you're trapped, if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like the only outcome for you is to grow some wings and fly away, I would encourage you to close the gap. Close the gap. We don't slip back. We close the gap because we know that the shepherd is going to lead us. Now, the interesting thing about the shepherd leading us is when we think about the 23rd Psalm, the most famous sheep psalm in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to lay down in green pastures besides still waters. You know, sheep won't drink if the water's moving too fast. It's like this instinct. It's, they can't, you know, it just confuses them. And so even if you lead them to a water source, but it's not the right water source, they won't drink. And so it's the job of the shepherd to lead them from pasture to pasture to pasture to stream to stream to stream to stream. in seasons and phases and places... Our nature as humans, as Christians and believers, is to just settle in and get comfortable. But the Good Shepherd leads us to streams and pastures, to pastures and streams, and we keep going on. A journey to new places and new seasons to find new seasons of rest. Even the rest that's being described in Psalm 23 is not a state of being. It is a place in a moment in time where you go and you find rest. And once you've found rest and refreshing, what do you do? You get up and you move forward to the next stream or the next passage. So when we're in the midst of calamity and trouble and strife, we close the gap, we listen to the voice of the shepherd, knowing that we will find rest and we will find healing and we will find reprieve. And we know that it's only for a season. He's going to lead us into the next season, that this season does not define us, that we are defined by seasons after seasons after seasons. I'm defined by following the voice of the good shepherd. And I know that as long as I hear the sound of his voice, Psalm 37 says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. This last year, we, we actually took our church vision statement and mission statement and we threw it out. We, so we don't need that anymore. We changed it to one simple phrase. This is literally the way that we've decided to live our lives. I've decided to live my life in the way that we, we lead the church. And we've, the whole church has, has kind of adopted this phrase. We follow Jesus one step at a time. Because if you move to the next verse in Psalm 37, it says the steps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. Uh, that's 23. In verse 24, it says that though they may slip, they will not fall. You may even feel like you're in the midst of slipping right now. But can I tell you, you will not fall. You will not fall. Let's continue in verse 7. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, when I hear this, because this is the same uh, passage, the same you know, verse, we're just continuing on. I go, Jesus, I think you're, you need to work on your communication style because you've just kind of mixed all your metaphors here. All your analogies are bleeding together. How can you be the good shepherd and be the gate? I don't get it. How can you do both things? And so I, 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 you know, I read it over, and I'm like, there's got to be an explanation as to why Jesus is saying that he is both the good shepherd and the gate, because you can't be both things. This analogy is breaking down, Jesus, and you're kind of the greatest communicator of all time, and if, if you can't figure it out, then how are we supposed to figure it out? You know what's interesting about the shepherds of this day and this time is that when they would lead their, their, their shep, uh, the sheep to a sheepfold, they would actually lay in front of the entrance and the exit, and they would lay their lives down for their sheep, and literally every night lay in the entrance and the exit to that very pasture, to that very area where they would keep their sheep. So they, would, they were literally the first and last line of defense. They would literally lay their life down. Every night they would go to sleep and say listen, if you're coming to get these uh, sheep wolves, you're going to have to go through me. You're going to have to wake me up. Jesus is the gate. He's the gate. He's the gatekeeper. He's, he's the good shepherd. He is also the way. He's also the truth. He's also the life. He is the total package. He is your defense mechanism. He is your shield. He is your refuge in time of need. He is your shelter. He, does, he is your provider because he leads you to streams and pastures so you can be fed and you can be nourished. And we can take that in the spiritual and we can take it in the natural. Jesus is the provider. The, the whole idea of a shepherd is that they provide for the well-being of the sheep so that they can live and thrive, as he says in John 10, 10 for a rich and a satisfying Rich and a satisfying life. I know you probably can't tell, but uh, I've been hitting the gym, and uh, I've got a good friend. Actually, Priscilla knows him quite well, Craig, who's basically a big bodybuilder, and he's got an amazing testimony. He was the biggest drug dealer in our city, uh, and he got saved and he got baptized, and he is serving G. He normally travels with me, and uh, he's an incredible, incredible man. God's doing incredible things with him, but he also, I train his soul, and he trains my body, and that's just how <laughs> it works out, and uh, and so we we're at the gym, and we were working on chest, and we we're doing, you know, bench press, and when, if I was to go by myself, this is, this is why I am how I am. If I was to go to the gym, I would just go and do whatever feels mildly comfortable. And I would do that, and I would go through the motions, and I would lift the weights, and I would put in my time, then I would just leave. And then six months later, I'd be frustrated with my results. Because nothing's changed. Because I didn't actually do anything. I did what was comfortable. I did what was normal. I did what was expected. and I did nothing to actually work myself out. But when I go with... Craig, I've got this guy who's just like, you can go further. You can go harder. Push. And he's like huge and like like his a barn door. And he's just like, you can push. And so when I go down on that bench, and I'm going to lift. I also know that he is standing right there, his hand is on the bar, and even if I can't do it, he's there to hold it and catch it so it's not gonna fall and crush me. When I feel like that weight is gonna crush me, I know that I've got a spotter. And the truth is, not only is Jesus the good shepherd, not only is he the way and the path, not only is he the truth, but he is the spotter for your life. So that thing that you feel like is about to crush you, he's got you because he is the spotter for your life. He's the spotter for your soul. That thing that you think is just gonna just crush you away the reason why you need to grow those wings and fly away he's got his hand on it now don't get it confused he did not do it to you but he will walk with you through it remember that the 23rd psalm yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff are with me to comfort and to guide me whatever you're in right now might feel like death but it is not death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It looks like death, it feels like death, it smells like death. But it's not death itself. What do you do when you get into the valley of the shadow of death is you just keep walking. You don't stop. You just keep walking. What is it? How's it go? One step at a time. One step at a time. I just keep following Jesus. One step. At a time, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't have to be afraid, even though it feels like I'm in the midst of death. I'm in the midst of valley. I don't have to be afraid because I know I'm walking with Jesus. And if I'm walking with Jesus, the good shepherd, not only is he the good shepherd, but he is the way and the way maker where there is no way. If I follow Jesus, he's going to give me a way. He is the path. You know what says Jesus is the way, the truth, and life? He's literally the way. I don't know which way I should go. We follow Jesus one step at a time. He's there to protect me. He's there to comfort me. He's there to guide me through what feels like death. And can I tell you, it does. Mm -hmm. You might be going through loss and you're like, this feels like death. Yeah, no, that was literal death and now it feels like death what you're going through. You might be going through, uh, let's just say a bankruptcy. Does that feel like death? Yeah, but it does not define you. Jesus will walk you through it. Even the choices that you have made that are contrary to his plan and his direction, because of who he is, because of his nature, because of his faithfulness, he's still going to walk you through it. He's still going to walk you through it. He's going to work it all together for your good. Doesn't mean that it was a good idea that you got into it, (laughs) but he's good enough to get you out of it, to walk with you through it. And he's good enough to use it. You know, when... uh, When they were feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6, uh, disciples went around, they started picking up all the leftovers. There was leftovers. Interestingly enough, there was 12 doggy bags, one for each disciple. They got to take lunch on the boat. Because they were serving, and I'm sure that the thought crossed their mind as they were serving everybody else. How come they're all getting fed and we're still hungry? (laughs) And Jesus says, just calm down. And they come with their doggy bags and their leftovers, the twelve platters. And Jesus said these three words, which are deeply significant to us here today, and were deeply significant to them in the moment, though they probably didn't get it. He said, nothing is wasted. Nothing's wasted as long as we follow Jesus. Because even if we're in something that feels like death and and feels like hell, as long as Jesus is leading us and guiding us, whether we got in there ourselves or it just happened, because honestly, things happen. Life happens. As long as we follow the voice of the Good Shepherd, we close the gap. We follow Jesus one step at a time. We understand that though he did not cause it, nothing is wasted. So he will use this to develop in me a fortitude and a strength and a perseverance and a faithfulness to his voice and to his call because as I walk through it, I'm learning to trust him so that when I come into a similar situation down the road, it doesn't even faze me because it's like, listen, I've been here before and if he did it once, he can do it again. And now my my faith is enlarged and my ability to follow him is magnified and increased. My sensitivity to his Voice is increased. Proverbs 425 says this look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Can I tell you the only safe path is the path that Jesus is walking on? And that when we follow Jesus, we find the safe path. I want to talk to you uh, for another moment about three letters, It's powerful letters, and it's a little word, it's a prefix, it's dis, D-I-S. Just turn to somebody, turn to your neighbor and say dis. Okay, that wasn't great, so we're going to try it one more time. Turn to, the, turn to your second choice, now they know, turn to your second choice and say dis. Dis. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's all right, we're working on the participation, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> These three letters, this prefix, dis, literally means to pull apart from, or to separate from. So if you think about the words that we were singing earlier, and we think about them in the context of John fifteen sixteen, where Jesus says that I chose you and I appointed you. And then you think about Jeremiah 1, where he appoints Jeremiah as a prophet, the nations, and we understand then that not only did he uh, call and appoint the disciples, not only did he call and appoint uh, Jeremiah, but he has called and appointed each and every one of us that there is an appointment for each and every one of us, that there is a place for us in the body, that there is a a place for us with Jesus, that he's appointed us for this time and this season, to borrow from Esther 4, that he has called us for such a time as this. We can understand then that one of the things that that derails us is these three letters, this, and this is what I mean by this. See what I did there? That's an old man joke for old man Jake over here. What I'm talking about is the exact feeling that is described in Psalm 55 by King David. And yes, he was the king. Yes, he was a tremendously rich and successful king. Yes, he was the greatest king. Yes, Jesus does come from his line. Yes, it is possible for someone who is in somewhat of a high place to go through seasons of disappointment and discouragement. And don't think that because someone else is in a different strata or different area that they do not go through these seasons. The reality is disappointment haunts all of us. But have you thought about the word disappointment? See, disappointment is the feeling that you feel when you're in the midst of when the moment when you feel trapped and you feel like you're stuck and you feel like the walls are crushing you and you feel like you have no way out. What you begin to battle is disappointment. But if we understand that God chose us for such a time as this, for this season, that he's got a place for us, a time for us, that he's got something for us to do. And even though it feels, honestly, for most of us, our appointment feels ordinary. It feels like our everyday life, but why does our everyday life feel ordinary when you've been called by Jesus and you're literally following in the steps of Jesus. So we take this appointment and we get trapped and then we understand that we start feeling all these feelings and all these emotions. So we just have to remember that these emotions are not foreign. And I'm going to go as far as to say these emotions, these feelings are not evil and it does not show your lack of faith. Because if we go down that road, then we believe that David experienced, repeated, all through the Psalms, the Bible is full of moments when people lost their faith entirely. So he did not lose his faith. He's still a man after God's own heart. He still trusted in God. He just couldn't see a natural way out of a situation. And the feeling that he felt was disappointment. What was happening is he was being pulled away from his appointment in that moment. In real life, when he wrote that psalm, he was literally losing his appointment to be king because Absalom was trying to steal his kingdom. So he was feeling disappointment, a separation from his appointment. When you feel the disappointment that's happening in your life, maybe by a whole set of parameters of expectations and assumptions that you heard something from God. This happens all the time. You hear something from God. God speaks something to you. He speaks it into your life. You take it, you write it in your journal. You share it to three of your closest friends. And then what you begin to do and I begin to do is we begin to extrapolate just exactly how God's going to do that for me. And we put a timeline and we put a location and we put a position and we put a place and we put a paycheck and we put a provision and we put all these parameters on how God is going to fulfill this promise. And then he doesn't do it on our time or in our way. And we begin to be disappointed. But God just wants to remind all of us today here that that was your expectation. That was your assumption. He didn't put that on you. You put that on you. And he wants to bring those things through to completion. But what happens is we begin to get disappointed. And when we get disappointed, we get mad at God and we get angry with God because you said, you said, you said. No, I gave you a promise, God says, but you put all these parameters on my promise. So when we get disappointed, we literally get pulled away from our appointments. We get pulled away from our purpose we get pulled away from our place. We get pulled away from our direction. We get pulled away from the place that God wants us to be, the direction he wants us to be moving in. And then we feel like uh, we go down that road and begin to feel like we're lost and we're wandering in a desert. It's because we are, because we've been disappointed. We've been pulled away from our appointment and our place. Don't let your dis keep you from this. You've been called such, for such a time. As This escapism is not the answer. Do you know what else I learned about sheep? Sheep have 320 degree peripheral vision. Yeah, it's a miracle. (laughs) They can literally see everything around them, but they have terrible depth perception and they're short-sighted. Kind of sounds like the state of my heart. Where I understand everything that's around me, all that is going right, all that's going wrong, and I am surrounded by everything that is happening in my life. And I'm just, I'm surrounded all sides, and I just, I can only see what's right here because I can't see what's just over around the corner, and I can't see what lies ahead, and I'm just overwhelmed because I'm stuck in the middle of this stuff like David. I'm just stuck and I'm trapped and I can't see because I've got 320 degrees. I see all the stuff. There's a reason why Jesus says, close the gap and we hear his voice and we follow his voice. Though we cannot see what's ahead, Jesus knows what lies ahead. So I don't have to know what's just around the corner. I don't have to see that far in the distance. I just have to see the person in front of me, the person who is Jesus, who is leading me forward. You know that moment when Peter starts sinking? He had his 320 degree peripheral vision working where he starts sinking in the water because he was more aware of what was around him than who was in front of him. Sound familiar? That moment when Jesus the Good Shepherd is calling us forward and we say, Jesus, we can't. Don't you know the things? I'm trapped, can't you? I can't see a way out. I can't see a way out. It's because we have short-sighted vision. We cannot see what lies ahead. But we follow Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the beginning and the ends. The one who's went all the way to the end and then came all the way back to lead us and guide us all the way through. One more thing. Do we got time for one more thing? Sorry to the presenter team. This is not in any of your notes. <laughs> you know when the Israelites were about to enter the Promised Land, they had to cross the river again. Most of, most of us think or remember they did it once but we don't remember that they had to do it a second time with a new generation. Right? With a new generation. They had to understand that God was leading them into it and trust that he would make a way there where there was no way. And so he gave some instructions. He said, let the Ark of the Covenant, where the place where the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God is, let the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit lead you into the promised land. And so the moment that the priests entered the water with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, they stepped into the river and the stream. The waters began to part. Not before. The moment they stepped into the water. The Holy Spirit went ahead. And He said, don't go all the way to the other side. Go and stop in the middle so that every single Israelite can walk past and be reminded that though the Holy Spirit leads you, He's also there with you in the middle of the river, in the middle of the mess, in the muck, in the mire. He's right there in the middle and He did not leave you or forsake you. He's right there in the middle of it. And then when they walked all the way out, guess what happened? The Ark of the Covenant walked out behind them so that they were reminded as the people of God that not only is God... uh, Uh, before them. Not only is he right there in the middle with him, but they are, he is right there behind you. He's got your back. He's got your six. He, you are surrounded. So no matter how good your 300 degree, 320 degree peripheral vision is, Jesus is 360. The Holy Spirit, the power of God has surrounded you. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Some translations say more traditional and classical ones say that he is surrounds you all the days of your life a 360 degree Jesus but all we have to do is not worry about that we follow Jesus one step at a time one step at a time John 14 don't let your hearts be troubled trust in God and trust also in me that's Jesus speaking this is doubting Thomas we have no idea where you're going so how can we know the way and Jesus told him I'm the way I'm the truth. I'm the life. If we fast forward in Psalm 55, verse 16, David writes this. After feeling trapped and wanting to grow wings, he writes, But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. Verse 22 of the 55th chapter of the book of Psalms. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. God didn't do it to you. He's going to lead you through it. He's going to guide you through it. And he's going to develop in you a depth and a perseverance of your faith. And oftentimes what happens is after we've walked through these seasons and storms and these distresses, these pains and these calamities, we now have the ability to lead others through the very same storms. Because we have developed a skill, and it is a skill, to overcome disappointment. If you feel like you're trapped and there's no way out, can I tell you it's a skill and it's developed one step at a time? Can we stand together? Oh, a little over. Why don't we all close our eyes, bow our heads across this place? here today and you feel like I'm speaking into your life and I'm speaking into your soul and you feel like wow you kind of got me right here Jesus is speaking directly to me I want to remind you that it's not me it's that Jesus sent me here at the right time to the right place to bring the right word in season to you in the midst of whatever you're going through Jesus spoke to some random guy from Spruce Grove come here today to talk to you about this very thing. So if you feel like you're in the midst of disappointment, you feel like you had no way out, and you feel like you were, sp- you were about to withdraw, Jesus wants to remind you to lean in and stay with the pack. Stay in the fold. But if that's you today, you say, wow, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. I feel like the walls are crushing in. Would you just give me a quick wave? Say, that's me. Thank you. 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 you. Okay. We're going to pray. But before we, we pray, if you lifted a hand or if you really thought about it, But you're just like, no, I don't want anyone to know. Even though the eyes are closed, I just don't. If I put my hand up, then it's real. That's okay, too. Jesus is working on you, but sometimes what happens is when we're in the midst of these places, that we're trapped in a cage of our own making with our own timelines and our own expectations, our own assumptions. And then we get mad and angry and bitter that God and the root of bitterness begins to go down deep because we feel like he didn't do what he said he was going to do, but really he just didn't do what you told him to do. So before we go any further, if you give me a wave or you thought about it, or you're thinking about it, we need to chop up and chop off that root of bitterness. You need to take the expectations and assumptions off and understand that it's not your responsibility to be Jesus. It's his responsibility. He didn't say, hey, go and carry the heavy burdens. He said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So if you're looking for rest, you need to put down your baggage and get on the plane with Jesus. So if that's you and you waved your hand, or if that's not you, but you're just ready to lay that down, all across this place, Jen's going to lift up this song. And we're going to put our hope, our trust in Jesus, the Waymaker. And we're going to determine in our hearts that from this moment forward, and we do this every day. You know, Lamentation says that his mercies are new every morning, which means every morning I wake up, I thank him for his mercies, and I decide today I'm following Jesus. Yes. And then I decide with every one step that I'm following Jesus. We're going to take that first step today. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply into your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only He can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.